0: Hello and welcome to Planet Money Summer School, the supply for your intellectual demand. This is class number five, trade and Santa Claus. I'm Robert Smith. By now, you are in the educational groove. You're sitting in the front of the classroom. You're raising your hand, even though I can't see you. And the final exam and graduation day are in less than a month. Start planning those parties. Joining us on the educational microphones today are Planet Money resident economists.
1: Yeah. Yes. Uh
0: it seems like Justin's a little bit further off the mic than Betsy.
2: Oh, okay.
0: I don't know. Uh whatever Betsy's doing is perfect. How are you How are you oriented <laughs> toward the mic? She has told that quite
2: often. Perfect. We're not at all competitive.
0: Justin Wolfers, Betsy Stevenson, welcome back.
1: Great to be here today.
2: Excited to talk about trade.
0: Well, let's talk about trade because so far we've talked about a lot of market phenomenon, but we haven't really like talked about On the the whole country level, what should we think about trade as we listen to this episode?
2: Well, the easiest way to get to the whole country level is to go back and start at the simple level of two people. So um, let's take Betsy and I. We trade a lot. Um, In our family, she does the taxes. She's much better at that. And I do all the IT. And so we reassign those tasks to the person who can do them most efficiently. And the fact that our household runs more efficiently when she's doing taxes and when I'm running IT... We call that gains from trade. Now I want the listeners to just think about one thing. What if suddenly someone drew an invisible line down the middle of my household? Betsy's on one side of that invisible line and I'm on the other. The gains from trade didn't go away. What if we called that invisible line a border? The gains from trade didn't go away. But now when I'm doing Betsy's IT and she's doing my taxes-
0: Wait a minute, Justin Land and Betsy Land, yeah.
2: That's right. Um, when JustinLand is providing IT support for Betsyville, um, that counts as an export from my country to hers. And then when Betsy helps with my income taxes, that that's counted as an import from Betsyland to JustinLand.
0: And since this imaginary world is a world of free trade, you both benefit and that invisible border in your home doesn't matter. But in the real world, borders do matter. I mean, once you have a border... Different countries can make different rules. They can put guards at the border. And and one thing they love to do is charge a tax on everything that goes back and forth across the border, a tariff. Justin, give us a quick definition of tariffs. A tariff is a tax on imports.
1: But a lot of people get confused and they think that just the people in the foreign country are paying those taxes. But what we're going to learn is, you know, tariffs are really just a way... For us to collect revenue from ourselves. From ourselves. Tariffs
0: are all around us. Think of all the products you have that are made in another country. You might have paid a tariff on its import and not even know it. Or maybe the U.S. government negotiated with another country so that that product has no tariff. This is a huge subject of international law and negotiations. And there are so many fights over who pays what. Today, to illustrate this weird world of tariffs... We're going to play parts from an episode that first aired in 2015. It was hosted by Jacob Goldstein and Stacey Vanek-Smith. I agreed to help them start off the episode by meeting up with Jacob in Brooklyn on a Saturday morning, dressed as Santa Claus. Here's us having fun with that. Robert Smith, what are you wearing? I am wearing red pants, a red overcoat, a black belt. I'm dressed as Santa. What am I wearing? You are also wearing a Santa suit, something I never thought I'd see, Mr. Goldstein.
3: Uh, me neither, uh, but we are surrounded by, well, I don't know, a 1,000 people dressed as him. I'm trying to get my belt to work. You're having do belt you need, trouble.
0: Yes. <laughs> do, you, do you need our help with this, or? No, no, I'm okay. It's like a $14 doing Santa costume.
4: This is red velvet, pantsuit.
0: It's got a hood over it. Long sleeves,
1: some embroidering here.
0: Yeah, the embroidery is beautiful gold embroidery. And and, and look, this looks like a real belt. That's actually holding in some girth. Oh, yeah. This is SantaCon New York City 2015. It's the annual tradition. You dress up as Santa, you get drunk, you ho, 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 you march in the city, dance a little. Yeah, I'm not here to do that. (laughs) No, you're here, I'm sure, for a nerdier
3: economic reason. Uh, I'm here for what I think is actually a more exciting reason. There is this international dispute going on right now over this question, what
0: is a Santa suit? Today on Planet Money Summer School, we consider a lawsuit over a Santa suit. It gets to the heart of how international trade works and these strange taxes known as tariffs. And stay tuned after the story when our economists show us that there is a whole universe of hidden fights over tariffs that shape almost everything we buy. The Santas are going into this bar right here and I'm gonna go join them. I'm gonna go back to the office and do the story. Have fun, man. Bye.
3: This message comes from Western Governors University. WGU is a nonprofit university committed to helping you reach your academic goals at an affordable price. They charge a flat rate tuition for every 6-month term, meaning the more courses you complete each term, the more affordable your degree becomes. Offering online bachelor's and master's degrees in business, IT, education, and nursing. Learn more about their offerings at wgu.edu/planetmoney.
4: The past is never past, and every headline has a history.
3: I'm Ramtin Arablouei.
4: I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah, and we're the hosts of Throughline, NPR's history podcast.
3: Each week, we go back in time to better understand the present,
4: bringing lesser-known stories and perspectives to the surface.
3: Subscribe and listen to Throughline from NPR. Ho, ho, ho! Seems a little on the nose. <laughs> What do you think? Is the suit a good fit? It's a good look for me.
4: It's I mean.
3: <laughs> Stacey, Robert disappeared into Santa Con, has not been seen from since you have graciously agreed <laughs> to host the show with me. What do you think?
4: Um, <clears throat> you look very sharp.
3: Thank you. So let me let me tell you about the suit.
4: <laughs> OK, yes. Tell me about the suit. I, I got it at a place
3: called Ruby's. It's a costume shop out on Long Island. So you got some Santa costumes Yeah, that's where we're going. This is Mark Beige. He runs Rubies. Oh, you got uh, the Star Wars. I guess not hard for me not to stop at the Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Jacob. Yeah, and uh, these were like really spectacular Star Wars costumes, like there's this big old Darth Vader suit that looked like it was actually what the Darth Vader wore. Anyway, right around the corner from Darth Vader. Where, where are we standing now? What are we looking at? Are you looking at Santa Claus costumes? A lot of them. A lot of them. Different different qualities, different price levels. This fight over Santa suits plays out on this wall right in front of us, on this wall of Santa suits right in front of us. And it's a fight over tariffs. Most of the suits are made overseas. Mark imports them. And, of course, when he imports them, he has to bring them through customs. And depending on what he's importing, sometimes he has to pay a tariff. He has to pay a tax.
4: And whether he has to pay that tariff and how much he has to pay is laid out in the Harmonized Tariff Schedule of the United States. Harmonized tariff schedule. (laughs) It is 99 chapters long and it lists tens of thousands of specific items. But it doesn't list everything. There is no line item that says costumes or Santa suits. So there has been this long running fight. Where do costumes belong in the tariff code?
3: Mark Beige has an answer to that question. He says there is a section of the code, section 9505 to be precise, that is perfect for Santa Seuss. It's called Festive Articles. I printed out the page. Here, you could just read some of the stuff in there.
4: Okay. Christmas ornaments of glass, of wood, nativity scenes and figures thereof artificial Christmas trees.
3: It's not just Christmas stuff. This section also includes stuff like party favors and confetti and streamers and all this stuff. Festive articles come into the country duty free, no tax. Mark imports costumes, so of course, duty free is good for him. And according to the government, some Santa suits, like the cheap ones in front of us in the store, there is no question, they are festive articles.
0: It's made out of a flannel type of fabric. It's a back closure
3: with Velcro. This one is a festive article. But then Mark shows me a different suit right on the same display, a nicer suit. Well, it has um, uh, obviously the uh, the pants. Tell me what these pants look like. They, they feel well, nice. This feels yeah, they're, nice. Ma- they're made out of a plush material. You have a jacket which um, has a zipper, uh, has a white fur cuffs, white fur collar. It's got this nice lining.
4: And Customs looks at this nicer Santa suit and says to Mark, This is not a festive article. You made this so nice. This is clothes. And clothes go under a different part of the tariff code. To import this suit, Mark has to pay a 32% tax on the jacket and a 29.2% tax on the pants.
3: Yeah, there's a pair of gloves, you know, white Santa gloves. Those come in at 10% under the tariff code. And Mark thinks this whole thing is ridiculous. You know, he says it's a Santa suit. Clearly, it's a festive article. This is the epitome of a uh, of a festive article. I mean, uh, when else other than Christmas are you gonna wear this? I mean, it's it's nice. I could put on this red fur jacket. It's a little bit chilly today. This is like the perfect weight for, you know, 50 degree weather. Right, but when is the last time you <laughs> went around dressed as a Santa Claus? <laughs>
4: Calling this Santa suit clothes, Mark says, makes it a lot more expensive for him and for customers. He just. passes
3: the cost on to us.
4: Yeah, of course. So if you were gonna pay $80 for a Santa suit, for instance, or $15 of that $80 would be tax.
3: And there is a lawsuit over this issue, a lawsuit over this question of what is a Santa suit. The person bringing the lawsuit is him. It's Mark Beige. The suit is Ruby's Costume Company versus the United States. It's basically Mark saying to the government, come on, a Santa suit is a festive article. But when I ask Mark about the lawsuit, he, he doesn't really want to get into the details. He actually points to this guy in a suit and tie who's been following us around the store, his lawyer. That's John Vesec. Yeah. He's been our uh, custom specialist, our attorney for many, many years. So, all right, how did we get to a world where a lawyer needs to be present to have a conversation about a Santa suit? And I don't mean this rhetorically. I actually called up an expert. I called up Douglas Irwin, an economic historian at Dartmouth, and asked, how do we get here?
4: And he says the story starts with the beginning of the U.S. government.
3: Actually, the second piece of legislation passed by Congress in 1789 was tariff legislation. There second, second law Congress ever passed. Ever, yes, was a tariff on what? Um, on everything. He was in his office when I called, and as far as I could tell over the phone, it seemed like he had every copy of the tariff code ever written, kind of at hand. And he said, back then, back in 1789, the tariff code was simple. And I imagine that's because there just weren't that many different things in the world. You know, like, you could list everything. It's still not that much stuff. Uh, he, he read to me from that first tariff law. He said it's just three pages long. Distilled spirits, molasses, malt, cast iron, all leather, tanned or tawed, all clothing ready-made. Seven and a half percent. Oh, there it is. There it is.
4: Irwin says there's a simple reason that this was the second law Congress ever passed. The government needed the money. There was no income tax back then.
3: But there were ships full of stuff coming into Boston and New York and Charleston. And so the government looked at those ships and said, all right, you want to unload them here? Give us some money.
4: That first tariff didn't mention festive articles. There wasn't much of a festive article industry back then.
3: So Douglas Irwin started going back through old tariff codes, looking for when festive articles first appeared. Eventually, he got to 1922. Oh, I think festooning is festive articles. Okay. Here's what it says. Doll heads, toy marbles, toy games, toy containers, toy favors, toy souvenirs, garlands, festooning, and Christmas tree decorations. There it is. That's what becomes festive articles. So the tariff code is getting bigger and bigger and more and more complex. It goes from that original three pages to, if I've got it right, I think now it's 3,681 pages. But in all those pages, there is no line for costumes. So now you have these two categories that costumes might go in. If they're clothes, then you have to pay a tariff. If they're festive articles, no tariff. And as a result of this, you have this endless fight that has been going on for decades.
4: And who was on the other side of this fight? Who in the world was arguing that Santa suits and costumes were clothes?
3: Yeah, the answer is pretty pretty fun, pretty delightful. Back in the 90s, on the other side was Mark Beige, was Ruby's costume company. He has completely switched sides. And you, you were on the other side then, right? Absolutely. <laughs>
4: well, you know, it's... Good to be flexible. In yeah, he's life.
3: owning it, right? He's like, he yeah. did not seem ashamed of it at all. He's clearly not like a philosopher of the tariff code. He's not arguing over the metaphysics of Santa suits. He's a businessman. And back in the 90s, when he was on the opposite side, he was in a pretty different business. At that time, he was not importing costumes. He was making them here in the United States. We were a domestic, a 100% domestic manufacturer. And of course, if you're a domestic manufacturer, if you're making costumes in this country, you want importers to have to pay a tariff, it makes their costumes more expensive. So that is why Mark Beige was on the other side.
4: And the government has also flip-flopped on this issue a lot. In the last few years, a lot of the costumes that used to be categorized as festive articles, the government has changed its mind about them. It said, no, 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 actually, those are clothes.
3: I also asked Customs about this. I said, you know, why why are you making this change? They didn't comment, but Mark's lawyer, the guy who was with us, he used to work for Customs. And he said, you know, Customs is mostly just a bunch of people trying their best to put things into categories to follow the rules. The categories aren't always clear. The people working at Customs change and new people come in and they say, you know... That Santa suit that we used to call a festive article, I I think it's actually close.
4: And here's why this story is about more than just Santa suits. Santa suits are one little fight in one little corner of the tariff code. And the tariff code is giant. It's thousands of pages long. There are tons of complicated rules. And where there are complicated rules and money at stake, there are people for hire who will help you figure out how to play the game.
3: It's called tariff engineering.
4: Tariff engineering, yes,
3: that's a real thing. Oh, it's a huge thing. You are a tariff engineer. Sure, absolutely. This is Michael Cohn, tariff engineer and trade lawyer. And he says tariff engineering is not just suing the government, arguing that something should be in one category or another. It's figuring out how companies can build things differently, how how they can actually tweak their products so that they get a, a better deal in the tariff code.
4: There's one really famous example where a shoe company incorporated some kind of fabric into the sole of its shoe just to move the shoe from one tariff category to another.
3: There's a similar kind of trick with costumes, and that is if you use a Velcro closure instead of a zipper or a button, it's less likely to be counted as clothing, more likely to be a a festive article, duty-free. In fact, Cohn told me festive articles have been a big deal in his world. It's not just costumes. I mean, there have been cases for years over, you know, if you have a a mug or a placemat or a tablecloth and you put a jack-o'-lantern or a Santa Claus on it, does it count as a mug or a placemat or a tablecloth?
4: Or is it a festive article? And there are other things that you don't even see. One client came to Michael Cohn and wanted to import this big industrial machine. And Cohn figured out if you split up the machine into two separate parts. Basically
3: take it apart, right? There's like hundreds of parts that split it up into two separate shipments.
4: Right. On two separate ships, Cohn figured out that the tariff would be a lot lower.
3: It was a lot cheaper. I more than paid for myself.
4: (laughs) This is totally legal and it is a totally logical response to a tariff code that has tens of thousands of line items and different tariffs for each one.
3: Yeah, but obviously it doesn't feel good, right? It's logical. But if you step back, you know, and look at the work Cone is doing here, it's not it's not doing anything for our economy, right? I mean, we want a company spending time and money figuring out what is the best machine we can buy or would this costume actually be better with a zipper or with Velcro? Paying lawyers just to figure out how to minimize your tariff bill, it doesn't make our products better. And I, you know, I asked Cohn about this. Would we be better off if your job went away? The, the very painful answer is yes. For real, you really think that? Sure.
4: Most economists agree that the benefits of tariffs and trade barriers are greatly outweighed by the cost of them. And most tariffs have either gone away completely or gone way down. Back in the 1960s, for example, the average tariff on the stuff we imported was around 7 percent. Today, it's one and a half percent. But the tariff code is still a big, complicated book of rules.
3: And the case over the Santa suit? Ruby's Costume Company versus the United States, is likely to go to trial next year. You can picture in your mind a courtroom, and there's John Bessick, Ruby's customs lawyer, pointing at a red plush Santa suit and telling the judge, festive article. And then another lawyer, a government lawyer, pointing at the same suit and saying, it's wearing apparel, it's clothes. The lawsuit is over a particular suit. It's over the premier plush nine-piece Santa suit, which, of course, I tried to buy when I went out to meet Mark at Ruby's.
4: (laughs) Of course.
3: Oh, it's this. It's this. I think this is the same. Look no, look at the name. Six piece. Oh, six-piece, no. you're right. They didn't have the nine-piece in stock, so I got the six-piece. It's basically the same thing. doesn't have the beard or the wig or the plush red Santa toy bag. But, you know, the jacket, the hat,
0: the pants. Come on, it's Santa. same thing. Jacob Goldstein and Stacey Vanek-Smith from an episode that we first released back in 2015. After the break, the normally composed Planet Money Economics professors get upset. They become Grinch-like, if you will, about tariffs and how they distort economies.
2: This message comes from NPR sponsor Microsoft. The world has changed, and Microsoft Teams is there to help us stay connected. Teams is the safe and secure way to chat,
4: meet, call, and collaborate. To learn more, visit Microsoft.com Teams. We're only months away from Election Day, and every week or even every few hours, there's a new twist that could affect who will win the White House. To keep up with the latest, tune in to the NPR Politics Podcast every day to find out what happened and what it means for the election.
0: We're back with our economists in residence, Justin Wolfers and Betsy Stevenson. Are you steaming mad? Are you are you upset at the inefficiency of the Santa suit and the tariff world. It's a waste. I was about to say the same thing. When I listen to this episode, I just think what a waste of time and resources and and legal time and 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 appeals and appeals and and going over decades and decades. And you imagine this is happening for a Santa Claus suit because we we think it's funny and that's why we did it about this, but this is happening for every thing that we import. It's actually Amazing. Have you ever seen one of those women's shirts
2: that has a tiny little pointless pocket just around the waistline? You'd you'd think, why would you have a pocket right there? It turns out that if you make your shirt with a pocket near the waistline, it attracts a lower tariff rate. And as a result-
1: Well, it doesn't really attract the tariff. It gets assigned a lower tariff rate because the whole thing that companies are trying to do is operate within a set of really Byzantine rules- around what kind of tariff you're going to face.
2: Right. And so they make these bizarre shirts because it's cheaper from a tariff perspective to make a bizarre shirt with a tiny pocket than to make the sorts of shirts that people would want that maybe don't have tiny pockets near the waistline.
1: So the reason it's important to keep in mind the fact that a tariff is just a tax is because what we know is the higher the tax goes, the bigger the loss to society in terms of reducing the quantity of stuff that we get. And so economists call this the deadweight loss of the tax. And it rises, not just as the tax rises, but it rises with a square of the tax rate. This is a really big deal because it says we want to try to avoid high taxes. And that creates a lot of space for tariff engineers to come in and spend their time and get paid large amounts of money to try to get you from one high tax rate to a lower one.
0: Yeah. So why are governments doing this? Politics.
2: Um, I think they come to the political judgment. Some governments, some of the time, come to the political judgment that tariffs are going to be popular. Um, They're going to be popular because when you raise tariffs on something, you help a couple of Very easy to identify industries. When we put tariffs on washing machines, workers in the washing machine industry in the United States cheer. They don't have to compete as hard against China. The rest of us are going to pay another 50 bucks per washing machine. Many of us won't notice. And even those of us who notice aren't exactly going to go out and protest in the streets or change the way we vote because we paid a little bit more for a washing machine. And so a politician believes that they can buy votes by raising tariffs to protect particularly politically important constituencies.
1: Now, I bet some of your listeners are gonna say, maybe that's the right thing to do so that those workers can be protected. But the reality is that we often end up with less overall as a society. And we could take something that's a a bigger issue like steel tariffs, we can think about the steel workers, but now we also have to think about all the workers who operate in factories and businesses that use steel as an input. So we've got one set of workers that are helped, the steel workers in the United States. We have a whole bunch of other workers who are hurt. Those are the workers who work in industries that use steel as an input. But this can often just be a game of who's organized enough to lobby well enough Congress to make sure that they're not hurt by tariffs.
0: And beyond the confusion and the amount of money spent on lawyers, and, and it's a lot of money spent on lawyers, there is going back to our, our, our basics of economics. If, if, if I want to buy something and I think this price is correct and someone wants to sell it to me and they think the price is correct, and then all of a sudden there is a tariff in the middle, it may suddenly make it so that I don't want to buy that item or someone doesn't want to sell this item if, if they're taking the cost into effect. And there's a transaction that would have made both of us better that is no longer happening.
2: That's exactly how it works. Gains from trade disappear. And that makes me sad. All those possibilities to create joy that don't occur as a result of a tax or a tariff we call deadweight loss. And who is the loss that we're talking about there? The loss is people who can't afford a washing machine anymore because it's now it's 50 bucks more. They could have afforded it if there was no tariff. They'd be doing their laundry. Life would be good. But now they can't.
0: Before I let class out, uh, I want to go over our vocabulary words. We had gains from trade. We talked about that at the top. And then we talked about the effects of tariffs as dead weight loss. There are transactions that would occur without a tax or a tariff that would make both parties happy. And those transactions do not happen because of taxes and tariffs. But next time, we're going to talk more about taxes, and what is the best way for governments to raise money. Thank you so much, Justin and Betsy. It's so much fun talking about international trade, isn't it? Always. Betsy's like, God, you're obnoxious. Ah, oh, Thank you both so much, Justin Wolfers and Betsy Stevenson.
1: You know, the only thing better than talking about tariffs is talking about Santa Claus. So,
0: Wait a minute. I think the class was thinking that they were going to get away without an assignment this week, and that is not how we roll in this class. Let's get an assignment for them to write in about.
1: As you go through your day, think about how it would be different if you were doing everything for yourself from scratch with no ability to trade with others.
0: Ooh, good one. <laughs> Let us know what you came up with from our assignment this week. We're planetmoney at npr.org. Hundreds of you have been playing along. When we asked you to find inelastic goods, some of you mentioned vinyl records, beer at a baseball game, insulin, ammunition, interesting, CrossFit, there is an addictive substance if I ever heard one, and wedding dresses. Feel free to chime in. We're on a whole congressional hearings worth of social media giants, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Yeah, still there. TikTok. We're at Planet Money. Today's class was produced by Lauren Hodges with help from James Sneed and Alexi Horowitz-Ghazi. Sound design from Isaac Rodriguez. It was edited by Alex Goldmark. Betsy Stevenson and Justin Wolfers are professors of economics at the University of Michigan. Plus, they've made a new audio course with Himalaya called Think Like an Economist, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, we go deep into American tax history, and we have a special guest lecture as a guide. I'm Robert Smith. This is NPR.